Todd Mack. And I'm Joe Dorowski. We're the hosts of the Protagonist Podcast, where each week we discuss a great character in a great story. If you listen to us, your fancy will be tickled. And your thoughts will be provoked. One reviewer described us as fanboys with PhDs. Our discussions cast a wide net, alternating between TV, comics, films, and novels. In one episode, we may discuss a Spanish telenovela, and the next week, an American superhero comic. That was January 2016. Or one week, we might discuss a Japanese manga, and the following week, a Jane Austen novel. That was October 2016. Check out the Protagonist Podcast. Great characters and great stories. To Spider-Man Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze and celebrate the movie Spider-Man one rat-faced minute at a time. I'm Scott Corelli. <laughs> I'm Zach Luna. I'm Joe Dorowski. And I'm Andrew Dorowski. Welcome, guys. Thanks for joining us again. Yeah, thanks for coming back. Yeah. Oh, we, we are happy to be back. First minute went well, so let's try another one. <laughs> All right. Um, well, uh, we are talking about minute 80, which begins with Peter asking, why would I be? And ends with MJ hitting a thug with her purse. Yes. Oh, I'm glad I'm on for the most comfortable and pleasant minute of cinema uh-huh. history. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, before we get to that, um, yeah. <laughs> let's talk about the end of this conversation because, okay, so first of all, the reaction that Peter has after she says, I don't know, why would you be? And she does that little thing with her eyebrow. Yes. Like, it's a very small gesture. Oh, it's a very small gesture, but I get butterflies every time I see it. It's um, so great. And so oh. I, I would just... I would have exactly the same uh, 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 reaction that Peter had if that happened to me. So I, I feel for the guy. Um, yeah, definitely. I, I think that, so my um, like formative image of Mary Jane is probably from the nineties cartoon. Sure. I, yeah. I think that's where, where I created it. And I think this is the, the minute where she seems most like the character I think of when I think of Mary Jane, which is like fairly confident, at least in kind of like nudging Peter on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's, it, which is like, it's one of my favorite things to see, um, like sort of a one-sided thing, which like this person knows that you're interested and mm-hmm. they're just like nudging you. It's like, no, come on, Peter, like get it. Come on. Get yeah. It. Like, Cause she, she has, she is trying to indicate like, look at that, look at that gesture with her eyebrow. Yeah. Can't you tell Peter? Yeah. <laughs> But she she has that um, that sort of mischievousness that you look for in MJ, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, and yeah. and what I like about the way their use of it here is that that mischievousness is specifically 
She only specifically uses it with Peter because she likes right. to sort of poke fun at how, you know, sweet and innocent this guy is. <laughs> um, and so, so she likes to kind of play with him a little. And in that, she sort of becomes the Mary Jane that we all know from the comics and from the animated shows and stuff. Um, and mm -hmm. so I, I think that's, I think it's really cool. I think it's a cool way of adapting this character where you give her a reason to act like that MJ instead of just having her be this sort of shallow character uh, like she is, uh, you know, prior to uh, the death of Gwen Stacy in the comics. Yeah. Um, and and so you you sort of you get to see the glimpse of that character and again and and they have her say the they have her say tiger in this yeah um, because this mm -hmm. is the moment where she's the most like that character and so yeah let's have her say tiger because that's not in the script uh, the the oh, tiger beautiful. line uh, <sighs> isn't in the script she just says gotta run and then parenthetical runs um, <laughs> which. I think it's funny, yeah. um, but uh, but yeah. So like she doesn't say uh, tiger here, and I I think that it's a really good use of that uh, sort of uh, fan servicey kind of thing. Uh, she doesn't quite nail the line the way that she does in Spider Man Two, which is <laughs> just the greatest thing in the world. Um, <laughs> but uh, but but Three it's are. it's yeah. still really it's still really uh, it's still really great here. I still really like it a lot. So I have a question. Mm -hmm. um, we we mentioned how she's kind of coaxing Peter on. Mm -hmm. She calls him Tiger. She is in a relationship with his roommate, and she just invited him out to dinner mm -hmm. <laughs> with the, like. What? She's sending signals. <laughs> oh yes, oh, of course. And they she, are one side. She's trying to pull the Seinfeld roommate switcheroo. <laughs> I no, I think I think what's happening. I've been I've been the I've been the 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 failing target of the Seinfeld roommate switcheroo. Um, <laughs> but uh, but the but the uh, this moment I think is more of she knows that he is into her and she thinks it's cute and she's kind of into it as well. But she knows Peter well enough that she knows he's not going to do anything. She just wants him to know that she is also interested so that mm -hmm. maybe it's like kind of like planting a seed for later, you know? <laughs> yeah. If I break things off with your roommate. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's but, but at the same time, I do feel like she is more sincerely interested in Peter than she is in Harry. Like the yeah, way exactly. she talks about Harry okay. in this conversation is like. I am I'm kind of sick of Harry. Like if you showed a little more interest, I would I would break up with him. I mean, in this entire film, the Harry Mary Jane relationship <laughs> is maybe a thinner relationship, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh less developed relationship than than some of the others that we see. Sure. I'm not sure they why have, they're dating. Do they only have two scenes together? They have uh, they have the, the one side of phone call and, and on the balcony. Yeah, well, the, the, the phone call their... isn't together. It's only Harry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that's – and then the hospital, but they don't actually interact. Right. No, he just looks awkwardly at them. Yeah. <laughs> so I think they only have those two scenes. I think you're right. Yeah. It's, it's uh, mostly a, a disgust relationship. A painfully a... awkward scene and then a uh, like a terrible, horrible – to watch scene just really <laughs> awkward bad scene. I, I don't understand why she's fishing for another relationship based on what we're given in this film yeah. i think it's because well you're sure, based on <laughs> no, what we're I'm given kidding. in this section but like i i do think this is a, a tough like needle to thread in terms of like if we have our two people who 
through like cultural osmosis, you know, oh, these are the ones that belong together. And through, you know, putting up our little signifiers along throughout the film that they, they do, uh, they are fairly compatible. How do you sort of thread the needle of her getting out of the one relationship she's in without either of them seeming like a villain? And I think mm-hmm. this is probably one of the, the, the best ways to do it, that it's just playful, not like cons- cons- conspiracy, conspiratorial. What's yeah. the word I'm looking for? No, yeah. that's conspiratorial. Right. Yeah, yeah, conspiratorial. Okay, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and but also like it's not playful in a way that seems like threatening to the relationship. It's like yes, she is still maintaining all of her agency to stay in the relationship with Harry, mm-hmm. and and Peter is uh, maybe at least a little bit aware, yeah. and playing along. But at the same time, like I trust that they would not destroy Harry's life. Yeah, and right. that's that's one of the things that I'm I'm loving seeing, and I think we've we've brought this up a couple of times on the show uh, with with uh, this you know, the, the Sam Raimi, uh, Kirsten Dunst, Mary Jane Watson, is that if you take out the, 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 the fact that every third act is Mary Jane has been captured and Peter has to save her. If you take that out of the equation, she's probably one of the strongest like love interests in any superhero movie. Um, Mm -hmm. because she never ceases to have agency out of, Outside, Outside of, of those, the the, yeah, the damsel <laughs> third act of all three of these movies. Which admittedly is a third of the entire trilogy. Sure, yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> admittedly, it's a pretty big factor, but it, I think people tend to, like, just assume because of that, which is a totally valid critique, that, uh, you know, that it is uncomfortable how often she's damseled and that she loses it all at the end, that the characterization outside of that isn't also something very interesting. I think that her, as a person, as, like, a rounded individual is surprisingly complex in these films. And she's not just what you would be afraid of her becoming, you know, just a a prop or a prize or something along those lines. Mm -hmm. I I like that. She's got her own story going on. Her own. Right. Cause to a certain extent it's, it's about her being a prize and learning that that's not what she wants. Yes. Yes. Um, and I think that that's really interesting and it's all on her. Like every mm-hmm. every decision that she makes relationship wise is always on her, um, and and even more so in in Spider Man Two, uh, but but even here, like you understand why she goes from Flash to Harry. Like she's desperate to move to the city, and so she's gonna get herself a rich boyfriend that who's nice to her. Um, he's a little yeah. creepy, but he is nice to her. And yeah. and that's better than what she got with Flash, and she gets to live in the city as a result. So, uh, you know, that's sort of a win-win from her perspective. Um, and so you understand psychologically, like, why uh, this character would be with Harry and not Peter, even though she has she much more in common with Peter. With yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. pretty good. But I definitely, like, I'd say the the end of the conversation, I do really enjoy... At like the characterization of Mary Jane mm-hmm. uh, in that, and I think I think it's the most I enjoy her characterization because overall, I'd say Kirsten Dunst isn't my favorite depiction of Mary Jane, mm-hmm. but th- in this moment, I was like, okay, this actually feels exactly what I expect. That Mary little Jane eyebrow to feel like. twitch alone yeah. makes yeah. her Mary Jane. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's like okay, like she has like the confidence. She's like, okay, I I know what I'm suggesting with this eyebrow. Also, I'm nudging Peter because he's super shy and mm-hmm. it's kind of fun, but also like I sincerely do think that he's a, a good guy yeah yeah um, and like all of those things are are ways i view 
um, the way Mary Jane looks at Peter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. Mm -hmm. Um, So then uh, uh, we got to talk about uh, this other, the uh, the rest of this. Okay, wait, but before (laughs) that, Uh can I just say, like comparing the yesterday's minute to today's minute? Uh They zoomed the camera way up on Toby's face. Yeah. And it's like, it's a little weird because he mostly has a blank face. Yeah. Throughout this. Like he doesn't really say much and he has a blank face. And he looks a little bit like doll eyed. His eyes look a little, a little glassy. Yeah. They, they perpetually look glassy, and, like, to be honest. Close on him. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, but he, when they, um, when the lightning uh, starts, <laughs> he has like this little look around. He's like, oh, I'm noticing the lightning. And it's like just enough to say, it's like, we should end our conversation now. Uh-huh. Also, because he doesn't have anything to, to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's just like, oh, oh, lightning. <laughs> I, I yeah. love the idea that, like, when the revelation happens, that, like, at that moment, there's, like, a crash of lightning in the background, almost like like a slightly goofier, older type of movie would really, you know, hit you on the head with that. But I, I do like when you don't have to be super overt about it, but that you reach a certain moment in the in the scene, you know, a certain emotional beat, and right as that lands on you, the weather changes. I've I always kind of been a fan of that if it's mm-hmm. done with a light enough touch. And I think here it's fine because we got to have it be rainy for uh for scary stuff. So Right. Yeah. Might as well crank um, those. All I machines. can think about is how much I would love to just see an out of focus Thor like like, like just get slammed in the <laughs> ground in the background and then just get up and fly away again. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Or even just just flying by right as the lightning crashes. Yeah. Just, yeah. just, a just bit. up. Uh, Which is what, uh, when I started reading comics in the 90s, it seemed like they did a lot more of that in Marvel Comics. Like, floor would be, uh, Thor would be flying by, and it would say, like, to see why, what Thor's up to, go read. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> that's, that's, like, number that's one because... Crossover. It's not even a crossover. Yeah, it's not even a crossover. He's just there in the background, but the editor says, hey, he's flying across the skyline at this moment over in Tales to Astonish. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, that's, but that's the thing, right? It's like, Marvel, Marvel had that because everything, like, all of the action took place in New York, so you were more likely to bump into people. Yeah. Whereas, like yeah. DC, every hero had their own, you know, made-up city that they lived in, uh, and were the only hero in. So <laughs> less uh, less crossover there. Um, but uh, I, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I do. I really, I really, you know, I editing aside, I really do love this scene. Um, sure, I think it's, I think it's really, really. There- there is stuff to love here. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh so then she uh she goes t- toward she the palm reader. Um and uh yeah. I will say I do want one little thing, um just just to continue avoid talking about the thing I don't want to talk about. Of course, um, yes, of course. Yeah. Uh, Mary Jane's purse, uh with the sort of uh kind of like tassels and stuff is very 60s inspired and is very much the kind of accessory and and like clothes that mary jane would wear in uh in the amazing spider-man run yeah um, the trench helps too her, yeah. her long coat that we talked about uh in the uh the diner well, that scene. that's that's not uh the 60s era that's more of um that's like later that's like uh, okay after gwen stacy um, it's very stuff. comic booky, if nothing else. It like is, this. it is. But the but the but the tassels specifically, um, because she was like that sort of like go go dancing like party girl. Oh right, uh, when she yeah. was first introduced, and she wore a lot of like skirts and dresses and things that remind me a lot of this uh, this tassely purse, a little tassel. Yeah, yeah. that's pretty so, cool. Just uh, yeah. 
seems like uh i don't know probably not on maybe it was an accident maybe it was on purpose i don't know but yeah um well, i guess it's time to wrap up right I yeah guess. probably yeah <laughs> uh, there's uh there's some rain machines that start at this point well, yeah. funny thing about uh, rain machines they kick yeah. into gear there's a, there's a shot you can see so much water has accumulated in 10 seconds i know <laughs> Um, it's like flowing off of the sidewalk. I do, like uh, I do like this push in uh, to Peter, Peter? as yeah. he's looking across the street, watching with her the wind go. blowing his hair. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, they did. Uh, they did change up the blocking on this scene as it was portrayed in the script. In the shooting script, mm-hmm. uh, the uh, the four punks actually jostle past Peter from behind him. And oh. and Peter says, uh, "Excuse me," and they ignore him and start walking after MJ. And mm. then that's when he's like, "Hmm," and then goes toward the roof. Um, and instead, we get very loud punks that can be heard across the street and down a ways. <laughs> yeah, saying, "Hey," Who, making I, lots of cat calls and uh, a dark dog barking sound. Look, you know, right? I don't, I don't want to, I don't look, I don't want a victim <laughs> blame. But yeah, if you walk past two dudes all in black that are like, Hey, check her out. Maybe don't walk and, down and, an alley. Like, yeah. Not a yeah, random also, dead like, end like, alley. Just, just <sighs> head into a bodega nearby. Or maybe go yeah. back to your friend. To the, you were just the talking fortune with. Fortune teller's right there. Just walk yeah. in there. Yeah. <laughs> like, like get indoors. Yeah. Fortune oh, yeah. teller will like, tell you sh- your surely. future is you're not going to be attacked now. You're safe in here. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, obviously, like, obviously the perpetrator is the one who perpetrates it. It is all the fault is on him. Of course, of course, of course. I'm just saying, I know people who probably would have made a different choice than her in this moment. Yeah. If, if I was yeah. going to like instruct my not yet born daughter mm-hmm. on how to like live your life and yeah. walk down streets, if you hear something like that, go to a crowded place. Yeah. Not that alley. Like yeah. did that alley let out somewhere near where she was going to meet Harry? No, I don't. It doesn't go anywhere. It's a, <laughs> it literal, looks like a dead end. It's a literal yeah. dead end alley that she ends up going. Well, and I'm maybe... pretty sure. I'm pretty <sighs> sure. I mean, I could, I could be wrong, but I think this is the same back lot street that she was just on that they've just sort of redressed (laughs) slightly to make it look more alley like but i'm pretty sure that in that overhead shot she's just walking Mm -hmm. past the fortune teller again yeah the overshot is the same window yeah yeah when we cut to the alley proper that's an alley but the overhead is a you know a sidewalk to the street street with lampposts and everything yeah 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 Ooh, while we're on the overhead shot yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) excuse me (laughs) Wow. <laughs> while we're on the overhead shot, I'd like to die on, on air. It'd be great. Yeah. Uh, while we're on the overhead shot, so is he, like, taking off a shoe or, like, pulling up his Spider-Man shoe? What's he doing as he, like, steps across? I thought it was him taking off a shoe. Yeah, or... I think he's taking I th- off a I shoe. thought so, too, but it looks like it's only on, like, half of his foot. Like, it, it's pretty easy to take off. <laughs> right, yeah, but... It's not very convincing, but I do love, like, an, an image of just a just a panel of Spider-Man changing from yes. civilian to mm-hmm. to spider-man i i love that kind of image mm-hmm. um and this is a, a great moment for it where it's like he does have to take his shoes off guys like it's not immediate yeah yeah, yeah. it's not like a magical here i am type of moment but, but also i'm pretty sure he could have gotten his mask on that's well, the other the thing on. right you think that, the gloves like, would be harder than the mask the, yeah the whole the whole thing is tricky i mean what what i find hilarious about that they had to like set this shoe thing and that you noticed it was only kind of half on his foot the problem is that the idea of the super suit is that it's all slick and can hide under your clothes completely but the way they physically built the shoes because otherwise your toes are going to look really dumb and ugly is they deconstructed a tuxedo slipper and have it inside of the fabric shoe to sort of give structure to the toe box and everything 
and then built the sole on the outside of that inner shoe thing. So he's literally already wearing a shoe. So there's no way to put your shoe footage, shoe foot into another shoe. So they just kind of stuck it on the front half of his foot and says, here, pull this off. Like you're <laughs> yeah. revealing. It'll look natural. Yeah. No one will ever notice. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't... The world would possibly <laughs> dissect the film enough. Yeah. That <laughs> well, and it doesn't, and it doesn't really work lot like, like timing wise, logically, because if, he was on the roof at that point and he's already taken off all of his clothes and just has one shoe left, then yeah, why wouldn't he have time to put on his mask? The rest of his time is mask time. Yeah. And he has doesn't even show up here. He's no. still got another and like twenty seconds to put on his mask. Yeah. What are and, you doing? He like he puts on his mask efficiently throughout this movie. <laughs> right. He can do it. Yeah. yeah. He's very slick about it normally. Uh and I think he wants Mary Jane to know. Yeah, I always, I, I always <laughs> took it. I always read it as like he left his mask off. Yeah. Right, <laughs> I got to plant a seed here. Yeah, as I mean, evidenced it, by the conversation they'll have in the next minute. He, <laughs> he he left his mask off and then regretted it once. Like immediately, it came, yeah, it came to the moment. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, oh, too far, too far. Peter. Yeah, too too forward. <laughs> I go fetch that. This is not Peter Parker. Um, okay, my other question is the the I I wrote it down. It's thugs, but the punks apparently yeah. in the script. Yeah. Their tactics. So there's the two that are like walking away from Mary Jane, and then they turn around, and then there's two ready to flank her. Yeah. Like they're like raptors. They the so like what? <laughs> yeah. Like how did they have that planned out, or did those other two just like show up and they're like, sure, four of us is fine. Yeah, like, I don't know. I don't know. Guys. It's like the no. definition of ganging up. Um, <laughs> yeah. They, oh god. Oh uh, god. I don't know. Is, they're raptors. That's that's my uh, raptors <laughs> turned into human beings. Um, although that yeah. one guy literally, I mean, he could have played Peter Pettigrew. Uh, the the rat faced man. <laughs> when, he, when he's got his face all scratched yeah. up and the mustache. Just, uh. He looks like oh, a Oh, the rat. mustache doesn't help at all. Yeah, the mustache is, is, is a, a, a bad look for him. Yeah. yeah. And the kissy um, face, a good the kissy face guy, I mean, you don't get a really good look at him because he's in shadow. Uh, uh-huh. But but for some reason, every time I see him, I think he looks like Tom DeLong from Blink-182. A um, little. <laughs> you know who that actually is? That's the... The stunt coordinator, the guy who, well, not the stunt coordinator, that's Jeff Haverstad, but the um, the fight choreographer, Benny uh, Urquidez. Oh. Uh, and so this is his, like, group of stunt guys that he works with who are playing all the punks in this scene. And he's the one that does the kissy face. <laughs> guys, this is going to be our moment of glory. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to be on screen. Yeah, this will be the one <laughs> that's super memorable. I'll be the, <laughs> the most featured you'll ever be, you guys. And we'll put it on all your IMDb's. Um <laughs> He was he was like a um, a kickboxing champ and uh, a karate guy and um, he's I think his his thing he's most known for is in Gross Point Blank he has a big fight with uh, John Cusack where he gets killed with a pen. Oh, uh, that's him. That's him. Oh yeah. my god. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thanks for the pen. Oh man, yeah. that's a good movie. Where's that yeah. minute podcast? Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Gross Point Blank minute. My god. What are we- just like divert into that podcast instead of finishing talking about what happens <laughs> to you. <laughs> We're almost done. Okay. It's, it's almost. It's so I almost remember finished. the first time I saw Gross Point Blank, uh, <laughs> the slumber party. Um, there's there's like there's like three seconds left in this minute. Okay, yeah. so they they go into <laughs> a an alley, and we know it's bad news because Woody the Woodpecker is there, and mm. Woody the Woodpecker what, is yeah, always like, bad. What news. is with the the lighting on that graffiti? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe that's their gang. That's the only. That's the only light. They're in that the, alley. Uh, they're the woodpeckers, maybe. Yeah, it's specifically whoever did the that. art was very proud of it. Wanted some museum lighting. Yeah. Went to the effort to set that up. 
Why rated not? it for like outdoor uh like lighting conditions they wired it all and got it <laughs> set yeah that's actually really funny why would you out in an outdoor setting why would you light the wall that doesn't make any <laughs> sense at all uh, that's true. um yeah that's strange but also like okay so hollywood rain yeah it's never convincing torrential no. downpour um, it's it, like like it never rains like that for long enough for it to be the scenes that they shoot no. in that kind of rain no, no it's insane and it's it's all based on the the issue that a reasonable amount of rain like a normal human would experience does not show up on screen so you right. have to make you have to make bigger droplets, and right. so they have you know like the rain machines have weird nozzles and stuff like that, and at a higher rate, so you just end up with gallons upon gallons of water just mm-hmm. soaking people just to get the like drops to show up, and I I don't know I mean it never looks real but it almost feels exciting to me when I see movie rain because oh like, sure oh boy again yeah. it's that thing we always talk about on this show is like that that idea of like oh this is this is movie magic like this is like what movies feel like um and 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 for some reason that sort of movie rain it's not remotely convincing as real rain but it feels yeah. like movies to me and making well, speaking of like, gross point blank what? it's like it's like uh, John Cusack rain like anytime John Cusack <laughs> yeah. is sad in the rain that's sure. it's this kind of rain <laughs> sure yeah yeah um which like I, I appreciate the rain itself. Mm-hmm. I just don't appreciate like the side effect of it being that everyone gets soaked through in three seconds. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm gonna say it's like it's like these scenes get so heavy so quickly because everyone's costumes are just just dripping. Yeah. Right. And uh, there's kind of an uncomfortable switch that happens where all right, these guys are clearly evil. They're objectifying her in the in like the most dehumanizing where they're not going to treat her like a human at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and and they really want to use her just as an object. Yes. Right? And that makes them horrible villains. But then because of this rain and because of the outfit they have Mary Jane in, the camera is about to objectify her in a pretty bad way. Yeah. <laughs> For, yeah. Um, I and mean, to have it go from oh, look how evil these guys are to let's do some long looking shots uh, of some soaking wet Mary Jane. Uh, it, it's, it's just an odd move. There's, yeah. there's definitely the rain thing. I mean, I, I, I feel, I feel like the rain was something that Raimi just pictured in his head for the fight scene. That's in the next minute. Mm-hmm. Um, and that like when Spider-Man's taking these guys out, he pictures rain. And yeah, that and was the, flashing, which is right. really effective. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I, I think right that's, that was the um, the action demo reel that they used was basically for, this fight scene with lots of splashing rain. Yeah, yeah. They, I don't. They, they I don't didn't think have there rain was rain on the day. No, there but, was no there was no rain in the in the um, oh, okay. the thing. But it was this scene. You are right about that. Yeah, this is um, the screen uh-huh. test scene about to start. Yeah. But I I think that's where it came from, and then I think. The objectification that happens uh, that I I'm so not comfortable with uh, every time it, <laughs> it makes it makes this movie feel like it shouldn't be rated PG thirteen every time it yeah. happens, oh, um, yeah. and it's I think I think I mean I, it's a side effect of the way that Raimi saw this scene in his head. Um, not, I don't think he took, you know, what her, what she was wearing into consideration at all when he thought of Mm -hmm. this. And then I think on the day, I mean, it's a side effect of the early two thousands and the early two thousands and Dunst's, uh, fashion sense of the early two thousands, because she never wore a bra in anything that she, she was in. 
Yeah. Um, like all of her movies in the early 2000s, like she just never really wore a bra. Like it was a thing that I noticed a lot when I was younger for reasons. Sure. But yeah, of yeah. but but it was <laughs> but like a nobody thing. did. Yeah, yeah it like, was. Yeah. And nobody yeah. did. Because if, if you were a trendy, cool person, you didn't wear a bra. If you watch Buffy, the early 2000s episodes of Buffy, uh, Sarah Michelle exactly. Gellar never wore a bra. It was a thing in the early 2000s for some reason. And yeah. I think the Rachel side effect friends. of those yeah. two things just combined into a very unfortunate incident, which uh, recurs in Spider-Man 2. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which doesn't make you have to say, was this really just a confluence of events or was this a choice? Well, I think it was, I think it was, it was, it was, I think it was a confluence of events up to the decision of, okay, it. if yeah. this is to, what, to, yeah. to not fix it. Right, yes. to not fix it. And I think yeah. right. that would have been up to, I think that would have been up to Dunst before anybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, um, is this all right? Does this, yeah, because this is Very what it's going to look like. Are you sure you want to do this? Mm-hmm. We're we're jumping out of this. Minute. Yes, because yeah. it does end um, on them uh, uh, her fighting against the the. What is this? But it's a conversation. The, yeah, but it's a conversation that I wanted to start here because obviously we're going to talk a lot about this when we talk about talk with our our female well, guest next week um, <laughs> for uh, the rest of this, but uh, it's. It's just very it's it's troublesome. It makes me uncomfortable as a feminist. Like I'm watching this and like <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. um <laughs> like like it's a moment that you you feel like you need to look away yeah. right. for a few minutes. Yeah. <sighs> well, and to have it again just the the connection of the outright villainy of these thought of these punks, the thugs, yes. yeah. and what they're about to do and then the camera does this 1 minute later this, with this some swelling gazy. happy music, yeah. you know. <sighs> well, and and I noted at the end of this minute like so one of the punks grabs her, and then all of a sudden, her jacket's, like, barely hanging on to one elbow. Mm-hmm. Like, her arm just slides right out of it, and it, <laughs> and it drops from both shoulders <sighs> as she swings around. And it's so wild. all of a sudden, there's no jacket. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah, that does come off pretty quickly. <sighs> um, although, although it... I mean, you know, from a blocking standpoint, if their uh, eventual goal is... Uh, you know, the ugly goal it is. Yeah, yeah salacious yeah. in nature. Um, I guess maybe that's what they would want to be doing, I suppose. Uh, so to a certain yeah. extent, it does make a uh, very painful, uh, awful, terrible sense, um, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I uh, well, say, in retrospect, poor decision making. Yes. yes. Uh, yeah. so, 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 several steps were taken that could have been stopped at any point along the way to make this scene Less work better. Like yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. To, to, to make fewer people feel like they need to avert their gaze. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> avert well, your yeah, male gaze, gentlemen. Watching, <laughs> <laughs> yes. I was watching this with my, uh, my daughter, who's eight, and it was her first time, and I let her watch up through like the Spider-Man origin story sequence. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And then I, I made her go to bed because it was after her bedtime. And then we got to this whole sequence. I was like, I'm glad I sent her to bed. Yeah. <laughs> Good call. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. I mean, um, but, but, it's, the, it's... The, but the best part about this is like, I mean, granted, it's an iconic moment that's coming up uh, that, you know, the movie needs, I think. Yeah. The, the kiss in the rain. Yeah. Right. That, that but, we'll but uh, yeah. I... I, There's some stuff around it. Yeah, yeah. Well. Well. But. But. I guess my point was like you could you could easily take this out of the movie and not miss a whole lot from an eight year old's perspective. 
Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so, like, right. I, yeah. For the plot, like I can just skip the chapter ahead yeah. to whatever the next chapter starts. Yeah, because because be you know, well, yeah, little kids they'll just be like, oh yeah, and then they kiss at the end because whatever. Like that's mm-hmm. that's yeah. what the like boy Spider-Man and girl showed up and then they kiss. Yeah, that's what <laughs> that's what the two people who love each other do at the end of the movie. It's fine. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, moments. So like this this sequence reminded me um one of my favorite things that i got out of out of a college education and and film classes was a discussion of cindy sherman and like her um film still photographs that yeah were all about the male gaze and i kind of wish that she had you know been doing that into the the 2000s yeah. so that we could we could have gotten some of the sequences like this as opposed to just the the earlier hitchcockian uh, kind of time frame stuff right. where she was doing male gaze from those sorts of things uh, <sighs> into things like this because she would have done some amazing critical photography about sequences totally. like this. Mm-hmm. Oh. And I, I feel like we miss out because she had stopped. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Absolutely. But if, if you haven't seen Cindy Sherman stuff, like go look them up. They're amazing. I saw one in person once because my university has one of them oh, in wow. their museum wow. and I saw it up close and like, I like, I felt weird because I was obsessing about this picture, which is about male gaze. Like, the male yeah. gaze and, and obsessing about it. But I'm like, but no, like she structured it. Like everything's on purpose. The work and, is like, so, yeah. The, like, like she's stepping just that much so that the skirt is that high. Like she's making a point about this. And, <sighs> but at the same time, I was like, I feel weird that I'm like focusing this much on this, this thing. But um, yeah, like look up Cindy Sherman's untitled film steel stills and it is fantastic work good stuff that's awesome all right well guys uh tell us um do you guys remember seeing this movie for the first time and what what you what your thought of it was in uh 2002 i i know i was 11 in 2002 i don't remember specifically seeing it i know i saw it in the theater um Uh at 11 and i know that before it came out i was like obsessed with it I don't remember seeing trailers for it because I don't remember like the Twin Tower trailer or anything like that. Oh, really? But I was like, I, like I was super into it. I was like a hundred percent in on superheroes, and I would I would swing during recess, and I was like, I'm pretending to be Spider Man, basically. <laughs> like that's all I was doing yes. while I was on the swings. <laughs> or I would um, they had like those those geodesic monkey bar domes, yeah. And I would hang upside down at the top of that, <laughs> and like I'm pretending to be Spider Man. Like Spider Man <laughs> hangs upside down. I can I can do that. Yeah. And so that's like all I was about when I was 11 years old on the playground. I'm like I want to do things that I saw Spider Man do in the movie and like pretend to be Spider Man. Um, so I I know I was super into it i don't remember seeing it exactly Mm -hmm. um and then i know we had it on dvd pretty early on and i and i would watch that i would watch the commentary um all those sorts of things and then so one other note is that i watched it in preparation for this i watched the whole thing Mm -hmm. and it's the first time in a while like maybe even 10 years um since i had watched it yeah and i realized like that that was dumb. Like, why did I watch this when I was 11? This wasn't made for a, an early, like a preteen or even a, a teenager. Like, this movie makes sense when you're in your 20s. Yeah. This doesn't, this doesn't mean anything when you're a teenager. This is about being in your 20s. And I was like watching it. I was like, Harry's so interesting. Like, his arc is so important. Yeah. And all of these things. And like, all the relationships. I'm like, oh. This was dumb. Why did I watch this as a teenager? Yeah. This doesn't. This is no good as a teenager. This is amazing in my early 20s. Yeah. 
That's so true when you go back and uh, like read books you were assigned in junior high and you thought they were stupid. And then you read them when you're an adult and you're like, oh, this book's amazing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. When I, was, when I was a kid, I was like, it's just an awesome Spider-Man movie. Like, Spider-Man's cool. Yeah. Well, there's things you like yeah. as a kid. There's yeah. certainly... But I hadn't gone back to it. And going back to it, I'm like, no, this is like... It's better than you remember. This has got like the real good, like important stuff. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. So when this came out, I was on a Mormon mission in Mexico. And when you're on a Mormon mission, you kind of disengage from pop culture. Oh, wow. But I, I like walking down the street by stores, I'd see the commercials. And if you like, as a teenager, I was super into comic books. Like right before I left on my mission, I had seen X Men. I was like, oh, they can do superhero movies. This is going to be <laughs> awesome. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> this is going to be Possible. so good. I had no idea what was coming for the next 20 years. Uh, <laughs> but, but then I, I'd seen the commercials, but I never watched it um, while I was down in Mexico because you're focused on service and, and teaching and stuff. But when I got back, it was one of the very first movies. Uh, I watched after I was uh, um, I had, re- had returned home. My parents had it on DVD. <laughs> Welcome and back to America, Spider Man. Yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly. But I remember just watching it and being like, "Oh, this is like, especially like the web slinging." Uh, it was like this is like what I imagined when I was reading comic books when I was a kid. Yeah. Like the way he was moving through the canyons of New York City. You know the. It was so amazing. Um, and watching it now, like, some of the CGI does not hold up as well. Sure. But I remember then in uh, when I was watching it, like, it was just everything I hoped to see for Spider-Man, um, for, like, the the uh, the magic of seeing Spider-Man do that thing. Yeah. The only, I, even then and now, I still wish they would make it more of a jokey Spider-Man. I don't think they've ever quite matched the tone of what you get in the comics with that. Sure. But it was pretty pretty amazing to watch it. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Absolutely. I think it would be difficult to match the tone of the comics uh, and because it's one thing to read a bunch of jokes in a fight scene, but to actually like see them play out, you have to keep building in pauses because people can't actually talk while they're punching things. Right. Because in, <laughs> yeah. in the comic, there'll be like three paragraphs of, of dialogue. Right. You know, in, in four punches thrown. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. So... Um, but, uh, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's awesome. That's really interesting. Huh? Um, love that. uh, also that that it was on a, like a TV screen, like a small screen the first time you saw it and it still felt like, oh, I'm soaring through the, through the streets or whatever. Yeah. Like it wasn't on a, like, uh, seeing Spider-Man and the first Lord of the Rings on the small TV screen is one thing where I was like, "Mm, I really wish, (laughs) (laughs) really wish I could see those in the theater. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I hear you. Oh, well. Oh, well. Um, so Andrew, uh, tell people about Dame. So Dame is the Disney animation minute essentials. It's a podcast I do with my wife and we are going through, uh, Disney movies one minute at a time. It's, it's this, uh, this pattern. And we started with Snow White and, uh, then we're jumping to the Disney Renaissance and doing Little Mermaid. We've broken them down into some different eras so we can bounce around and we should never be uh, more than one film away away from something we're really excited for, just in case. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so we finished Snow White, and uh, we're moving on to The Little Mermaid, uh, which we're we're really excited for. We've been doing research for that, uh, and that'll release later this year. Amazing. Yeah. Awesome. And where yeah. can we find that? Like, if we wanted to hunt you down on iTunes and uh, whatnot, uh, the Disney Animation Minute Essentials mm-hmm. on iTunes or, or your podcatcher of choice mm-hmm. uh, should should bring it up. And and soon you'll be uh, migrating over to dueling genre. So by the time yes, uh, we are by the time Little Mermaid premieres, uh, you'll yes, we should be, be on there. So that'll be good. Releasing through that webpage. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. We're very excited about all of that. Yeah. <laughs> so am I. 
Um, so, uh, so yeah, if you like, uh, if you like Disney and, and the thing, the thing about, um, you know, when you, when you think about, uh, you know, animation and, uh, all of that, like you, and you think about sort of breaking it down one minute at a time, I, I could see a lot of people being kind of dismissive of that, of like, well, I mean, you know, there's not a lot going on, not like, not like a, you know, quote unquote real movie, but the thing about <laughs> a thing about uh, animated films and your podcast is that there's so much background material uh, as far as, and I don't mean like literally, but there is that too. Um, <laughs> but, but just the, the fact of like the, the mythology of the Disney animation studios, like I am so excited to hear you guys talk about the history of, the Disney Renaissance when you start talking about little mermaid and everything. Um, because yeah, that's, that's the sort of thing. Like I wish someone, I wish like Ken Burns would make like, like a, like a 70 hour mini series about just like (laughs) the history of Disney animation studios. Uh, Cause it would, it's just, it's fascinating. All of that, all of that mythology is so fascinating and your show goes into all of that. So it's really fun to listen to. Yeah, we, we do try to dig into that. I mean, the last one we did was still under Walt's control and, and the Renaissance is a, a different beast in yeah. a lot of different mm-hmm. ways. Uh, and so we are looking forward to to talking about uh, how all of that shaped. And, and I think you're right. A, a really good documentary dealing with all of that would be amazing. And at the same time, really terrifying and probably ruin a lot of childhoods. Just, <laughs> oh, yeah. Just like to know what is going on and like all these things like, yeah, well, we just kind of did this thing. And it's like, but that's like really important to me. Like you can't <laughs> yeah. like, don't tell me that it wasn't like super thought out, but you get the same thing with comic books. Oh yeah. No comic like, books yeah. are the worst about that. <laughs> like, it's, it's like, but this thing is, is so important. Like with great power comes great responsibility. Like it's, it's so like you, crucial and like, iconic. And then Stanley's like, I don't know. Like when you find it. out I'm writing a million things, it's like <laughs> when you find out they would take uh, original art from that stuff and, and just, just tear it oh, up into sections and, and then it. use it to paint oh. to like test paint colors on. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, and, like they, Jack Kirby was cutting his stuff into quarters so he could like have note paper. Oh, yeah, it's it. It just breaks your heart because they just didn't think anything they did this would matter. This wasn't going to last. Yeah, and this doesn't matter. So. Like that's some whatever. of the stuff we, we learned um, with Snow White, you know, they're like, we're not keeping any of this stuff. Like there was a model of the, the cottage. We don't know where it is. <laughs> like they had a physical model so they could get lighting and angles. Right. And <sighs> we don't know what happened to it. We just like, we were pretty sure they had one. <laughs> and, and, but it's like, they were just like doing a job. Yeah. 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 I don't know. It's so it's fascinating. Even if it is like, magic crushing in one way it's also like uh, amazing in a, in a whole whole nother way so i'm always i'm always so excited to learn that stuff even when it hurts me yeah <laughs> I, I think that's why we do these kinds of podcasts exactly <laughs> absolutely um all right well uh guys thanks so much for joining us uh for for these two minutes uh it's been a blast mm-hmm. uh so uh you guys should definitely check out um, both of their, uh, podcasts, uh, you know, Dame and, uh, and the protagonist podcast, both a dueling genre. Um, Dame, as of this recording, Dame isn't on uh, dueling genre yet, but I think by the time this comes out, we'll, we'll try and get everything migrated over. We should so. have, uh, things, uh, uploading at that point. Awesome. Yeah. So, um, so be on the lookout for that and, uh, check out their first season and, and, and check out the backlog of the protagonist podcast 
And uh, we will be back next week. In the meantime, you can also check out our Patreon page at duelinggenre.com slash support. And uh, this will be one of the weekends where we're putting out a weekend bugle where Zach and I are talking about uh, some sort of Spider-Man related thing. Uh, and we sort of like talk about it in detail, uh, some sort of thing that isn't a movie. So either like a cartoon or uh, an animated or yeah, that's the same thing. Cartoon <laughs> or uh, or a comic book or, uh, you know, whatever. At some point we're going to you know that we're going to have to cover one of those novels, right? Oh, yes, yes. Oh, we have the, the 90s novels. Yeah, yeah. Which I had no idea existed until we started doing this podcast. I cannot wait to see I, what I, that's I like. know I have one because uh, there was a Star Trek writer I liked who had written it, and so I got it. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Peter <laughs> David, Peter David, yeah. Um, wow. he, 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 no, I think it was Diane Duane was the, oh, the, the one that okay. I had. But I know Even Peter better. David did, did also did Peter David do I think, I think he did do a Spider-Man novel. Yeah, wow. yeah. He, he did a ton of those novels. Those Because he did a bunch of Star of Trek stuff. ones. He had he was like one of the biggest oh, yeah. Star would, Trek novel would he writers. Have been responsible, would he be responsible for the Star Trek X-Men crossover one? Almost Ooh. definitely. I yeah. <laughs> like, I, like, I'm comfortable saying yes without knowing for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because uh, I don't know who else would have uh, fit into that Venn diagram um, as well as... Uh, but he 100% fits. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> His is a complete circle. Yeah. Um, so uh, so anyway, uh, yeah. So if that's something that sounds interesting to you guys, uh, check out uh, duelinggenre.com slash support and check that out. And uh, just as a reminder, you know, that's going to be the only way you're going to hear Zach and I talk about Spider-Man during our hiatus which is coming faster than i think zach and i want to admit uh but uh it's right around the corner really guys we're we're more than halfway through this movie substantially at this yeah yeah Yeah. it's pretty crazy um (sighs) we're about three quarters of the way through so that's uh pretty nuts so (laughs) go check that out and see if that's something that uh you want to support and and help us keep the lights on and help make all of this a little easier And uh, we'll be back on uh, Monday with another episode. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.